So church, it's good to see you this morning. Yeah, last week, last Sunday, I had the privilege of going up to the Willows Church um, and leading worship and preaching for, for those guys there. What a brilliant um, group of people. I know a few of you now have been up to, been up to Grimsby for, for different things. And if you have, then I know um, that you'll have met some of them. Some of them came down um, for the carol service and you probably had a chance to chat with them then. But if you've not met um, the people from the Willows Community Church, then, um, then they're, a, they're a great group of people. And we just want to welcome them into our church family. So, uh, yeah, so that's what I was doing last week. But right now, we are starting a new series. For the sake of uh, me not doing a, a really bad job of slaughtering the pronunciation of this, I tend to call it Sila, but I know it's not really uh, pronounced like that. It's sort of like Sila. It's got a bit of a to the end of it, which uh, I can't really keep up for the next 40 minutes. So we're going to go with the word Sila. And, uh, and this word is a technical word. It's used in music. You see this word repeated throughout the Psalms. And the term was probably used to show accentuation, to show a pause or an interruption in a song or a piece of music. You'll see it very often um, at the end of a sentence. So like, you know, how we, we, we might say if we're like, I am going to go and do that full stop. And we actually say the word full stop. And in America, they have the same, um, they, they use it in the same way, but their word is period. And they say, I'm going to do that, period. It's kind of like that. I'm going to do that. Sila, it's like a pause, an accentuation um, within music. I wouldn't go around going period all the time. Probably not a great thing to say. Um, so for many of us, we start this new year off with New Year's resolutions. A time of taking action, of making changes. And it's very easy for us to rush into new things. Who, well, I'm not going to actually, I was about to say, who started a new diet, but probably isn't a very tactful question to ask you. But I am sure that many of you have started a diet. Maybe you've started the gym. Maybe you're doing something. Just before Christmas, I started, um, started climbing again. Me and John went to the climbing wall. I'm trying to do a little bit more um, to, to do some exercise and get... Um, get fit again. Um, so we have these New Year's resolutions. And for us, for the Cartwright family, New Year's Day is a day of new beginnings. It's a day of new beginnings because right on day one, it is our opportunity to de-Christmas the Cartwright household. Um, usually what's happened is by Christmas Day, Diane has reached her limit for Christmas decorations, she's reached her limit for Christmas cards being everywhere because Christmas cards don't stay lined up. Christmas cards get grabbed and thrown all over the living room floor by your children. So day one, January the 1st, Christmas cards, no offence to anyone who sent us a Christmas card, straight in the bin. Um, Christmas tree packed up, back up in the loft until next December. Um, so we de-Christmas our house on New Year's Day. We decided this year that just before Christmas, we were talking about our house, and we've lived there quite a long time, and we know that we need to start doing some work to fix up some of the rooms of the house. And we decided before Christmas that we really need to get our bedroom sorted. We've got this horrible fitted wardrobe. It's nasty. It wasn't really fitted very well. It wasn't made very well. Um, and we said, you know what? We're going to start it in the new year. Now, for me... That probably would have meant Christ uh, New Year's Day, I would have pulled everything out of the wardrobe, ripped the fitted wardrobe out, and started tearing down the wallpaper. 
because I was itching to do it for most of the Christmas holiday because it was, you know, when you know you're going to do something, you're like, I just want to do it now. I don't want to wait until next year. I just want to get on with it. So if it was me, I'd have been pulling it all down and just making a start. But Diane, in her infinite wisdom, had the sense to pause. And she said, you know what? Maybe it might make more sense for us to clear out the wardrobe. The stuff that needs to go to charity, we'll get that to charity. The stuff that needs to go in the bin, we'll throw that in the bin. And then we're not cluttering the house up with loads of stuff we don't know what to do with. So the wardrobe is still fitted. We've begun clearing it out, but we didn't do my impulsive thing of ripping it all out straight away. You see, Diane had in, in that sense, in that moment, to pause. She had the sense in that moment to reflect and not to rush into things. She had a chance to reflect on the situation and take stock before rushing in. And that's what this new series is all about. The series Sila is all about pausing and thinking. Let's take a minute to reflect on our circumstances. Let's start this year off not rushing in headlong into new initiatives, but to take stock, to reflect, to pause, to breathe, and to think. A time to consider. And that's what we're going to be doing this morning. We're going to be considering. So I want you with me to just stop for a minute and consider this. I want you to think about the changes that occurred when you received Jesus Christ. Think about that for a minute while I have a drink of water. You see, some changes happened in all of us at that moment. I want to read to you a passage from Ezekiel 36. And it says this, For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all impurities, from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And then in Psalm 51 verse 10, it says, Create in me a pure heart, O God. And I think as Christians, we tend to think a lot about the way in which God changes our heart. Maybe we use that sort of phrase when we're praying, God, soften their heart, change their heart, break their heart for you. And that is right that we do that because Jesus has the power and, and has changed our hearts. We know that. The Bible refers to that frequently, that God is a God that changes the heart. But I want to talk to you this morning about a different change that God describes in the Bible. And that change comes in Romans 12, verse 2. It says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, the Bible is, 
It's constantly referring to a change of heart. But do not conform to the patterns of this world because you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's interesting that that verse refers to the mind being transformed and not the heart. It's our mind that is renewed. Consider this. What would happen if your heart was changed but your mind wasn't? Would we then always be guided by our heart and never by our mind? Would we follow our heart and not give thought to our actions and our decisions? I think God renewed our mind for a purpose. I think he renewed our heart for a purpose, but I think he renewed our mind for a purpose. Our brains are remarkable things. I want to share a short passage to you from an article in New Scientist magazine. And it says this, the brain is the most complex organ in the human body. It produces our every thought, action, memory, feeling and experience of the world. This jelly-like mass of tissue weighing in at around 1.4 kilograms contains a staggering 100 billion nerve cells or neurons. The complexity of the connectivity between these cells is mind-boggling. Each neuron can make contact with thousands or even tens of thousands of others via tiny structures called synapses. Our brains form a million new connections every second of our lives. The pattern and strength of the connections is constantly changing and no two brains are alike. It's these changing connections that memories, it is in these changing connections that memories are stored. Habits are learned and personalities are shaped. By reinforcing certain patterns of brain activity and losing others. Our brain is an amazing device. It is an amazing thing. And if we consider for a minute that God created that brain. That God created every 100 billion nerve cells. That God created that 1.4 kilograms stuffed into your head that controls your every thought. That is mind-boggling. When we learn that those connections are formed and that God has his hand in all of those connections is an amazing thing to consider. God made every part of our bodies and it is a work of art. And even the most basic parts of our bodies are so complex. But the brain is the most complex part of our bodies. It controls it. There are so many aspects to the brain. And I'm certainly, I'm not talking as someone who has a great knowledge of the brain. Because I certainly don't. And there are people sat in this room that could wipe the floor with my understanding of the human body. But I know this, that it is beyond anything I can understand and God made it and that for me is an amazing thing to consider so let's just simplify it for a little bit 
that when I refer to the mind, what I'm talking about is our conscious, rational, decision-making part of our brain. That's what I'm talking about when I say our mind. Yesterday, at Grace's request, and I'm glad that she chose this film because it followed quite nicely into uh, going into today's sermon, um, Grace asked yesterday if we could watch the film Inside Out. Who's seen Inside Out? Anyone? Oh, that's disappointingly few people, I think. I would, my, if there's one thing that I could say to you, aside from you know, what God says in this word, watch Inside Out. It is an amazing film. It's a Pixar film, and it's about, I don't know if you've seen it, um, for those of you that haven't seen it, it's about a girl. She's about 10 years old, and um, inside her head are different characters portraying her different emotions, and it's about how her emotions work in her head. It's an amazing film, and it deals with some complex issues like sadness, depression, things like that, in, in a way that's so accessible, not just to kids, but to all of us. So, great film, but I digress. The reason that I'm challenged by that film is because there's one character in there called Anger, and he's red, and when he gets really angry, flames come out of his head. Um, and they have like a, a desk where they control her mind, and there's these two levers. And basically, when he gets angry, he goes, ah, and he puts the levers up to full, flame comes out of his head, and then she overreacts, you know, runs out, shouts, whatever. And it's like, this is anger having its effect on our mind. And I'm challenged because... When I think about anger, I think about how I react to different circumstances, and it makes me think about what emotions actually drive my thinking. I don't know what emotions drive your thinking. But I think that God made us thinking beings because he wants us to use our minds. I think he made us thinking beings because our minds should be exercised our minds are there to help us make good decisions. He did give us free will, after all. When we are transformed, our minds are renewed by God. You know, the Greek word used for mind in that passage is pronounced nous. And it's defined like this. The mind... Um, comprising the faculties of perceiving and understanding and also those of feeling, judging, and determining. The intellectual faculty, our understanding, our ability to reason in the narrow sense, but also our capacity for spiritual truth, the higher powers of the soul, the faculty of perceiving divine things, of recognizing goodness and of recognizing evil. The power of considering and judging soberly, calmly, and impartially. The power of the mind. When our minds are renewed by God, it's the intellectual faculty of our brains that the Bible is referring to, our ability to reason. But there's a spiritual element to it as well. Because when God renews our minds, we then have our ability to understand spiritual truth. We have an ability to understand what God is saying to us. To perceive things in a different way to the way that we saw them before we knew Jesus. Do you know that? 
that when God renews your mind, it gives us that ability to see things differently because we see things through the eyes of Christ. God increases our capacity to reason by adding a new dimension to our thought process. And of course, renewal of our mind is a a change for the better. There's a TV series that me and Diane really like. It's a few years old now, and it's called Chuck. And Chuck um, works in like the American equivalent of PC world. And through a series of events, he ends up with a load of government secrets downloaded into his brain. Um, So Chuck now knows who all the terrorists are when he's walking down the street, his brain can, has that new, in, that new information. He goes, oh, that, that person's a terrorist. And, and he can see, he, he knows what a bomb is, and he's all of a sudden he can decode that bomb because he's got that information from the government's database in his brain. Halfway through that series, um, there's an update to this information that's put in his brain, and they call it 2.0. And f- for Chuck, that's pretty impressive because he now has the ability to do kung fu, amongst other very cool things. So, um, but for us, when, when God renews our minds, it's like we get mind 2.0. We get that ability to see things in a way that we didn't see them before. Let me give you another way of thinking about it. If you're a techie amongst us, what's the first thing you do when you buy your brand new mobile phone? For me, easy. Take it out of the box. Job number one. Connect it to the internet, download the latest version. And I want us to think about that, to consider that for a minute. When you buy that new mobile phone, it comes fresh out of the box. It's factory sealed and it's got the factory default settings. And in a way, that's a little bit like how we are made. When we come out of the the box, which I appreciate is a very bad metaphor... And when we come out of the box, we have the factory settings in our mind. In fact, the Bible puts it like this in Psalm 51. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin, my mother conceived me. The factory default for your mind was sin. It was not complete. It was not the latest version. When we're born again... It's like we get the latest update installed. We finally get that upgrade that God has in store for us. So why the very long, drawn-out mobile phone metaphor, I hear you asking? Because our minds are capable of making sound and reasoned judgments. And when God renews our minds, then we're capable of understanding spiritual truth And using that wisdom to consider our actions. And if I come back to that word, consider. Consider. In modern language, we tend to think about like like it means thinking about stuff. If we're considering something, hmm, I'm considering whether to eat a donut. Hmm, shall I have a donut? I'm thinking about it. I'm considering it. The Greek word for that word consider is blepo. And it actually, it's described in the, uh, in the Strong's, for anyone that's into studying the Greek and Hebrew, in the Strong's definition, it's described 
as a metaphor in itself, to see with the mind's eye. So to consider is to see through the eyes of your mind, to have the power of understanding, to be able to discern mentally, to observe, to perceive, to discover and to understand. To direct our thoughts to a thing, to consider, to contemplate, to look at, to weigh carefully and to examine. So when we're asked to consider in the Bible, that's what it means. It means a little bit more than just think about. It means weigh up. I want to ask you a question, and I'm not expecting an answer back from this, but just for a minute, consider these questions. Do you make considered decisions, or do you tend to rush into things? Do you pause and reflect on your circumstances, your actions, and your decisions? Do you exercise your mind? Consider these things. And that's what this series is going to continue along that theme. Consider this. Consider. What do we think about? But I want to talk to you specifically about one thing that I want you to consider. And one thing that the Bible tells us that we should consider. And it says this, consider what you hear. How much of our time is spent blindly accepting the things that we are told, rather than considering them? Mark 4.24 says this. He said to them, do not bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed. Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has, hear, has ears, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Consider carefully what you hear. What do you hear? Well, in that verse, that passage, consider what you hear, is quite specific. It's aimed. It's aimed at those who are hearing the gospel. And it's telling them to make good use of what you're hearing. Make good use of the gospel that is being preached. James puts it like this. He puts, do not merely listen to the word, do what it says. So consider what you hear, discern what you are being told. And make sure you understand the words. Apply what you hear, apply what you understand. Do you know that what you hear, unless you listen and unless you understand it, will have no impact upon your life. Hearing without considering does us no good at all. It's for that reason that often in church we suggest bringing a notepad, taking notes, reading those notes back, 
re-listening to the message on the podcast. It's the reason why in connect groups, we very often say, listen to that message again, because we're going to discuss it in our connect groups. Because to sit in church and to hear some words on its own does us no good at all. But to consider those words that, we're, that are being spoken to us and to understand them and to use our brain to process that, in, that information, that can change us. If we hear something and we don't consider it, it's like it goes in one ear and out the other. But then there's a warning. We must take care of what we hear. We must prove and test all things. Don't blindly accept what you're being told, but we're told to consider it. Do we consider what we're being told? For me, it's simple. If I'm unsure, go back to the Bible. Is what I'm hearing right now in agreement with what the Bible says, or is it in contradiction to what God is saying in the Bible? And that's a really good measure of whether I trust what I am being told. We must carefully consider what we're told. If someone speaks, say, a prophecy, for, for those of you that don't know what that word means, um, it's when someone um, comes and might, and might say something that they believe is a message from God about your life. Do we just blindly accept those or do we go away and do we say, God, is this word right? Is this for me? Is, is this in agreement with what the Bible teaches on these principles? We must consider, we must use our brains. We must carefully consider all things. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about selective hearing. I think I have selective hearing. My ears are always working. They're always, again, not very scientific, but I'm presuming they're always on. We don't switch our ears off. Math has a great advantage that he can turn his hearing aid off, I'm guessing, you know. Um, I'm, <laughs> actually, I won't make a joke about when he might turn it off because that's probably not a good idea. Um, but yeah, he could choose to turn off his hearing aid, but our ears don't have an on-off switch at the back. Um, they're on all the time. We're all, uh, uh, they're always interpreting the, the sound waves that are going into them. And our brain in the background is processing that sound and translating it into what we're hearing, whether it's words or sounds or music or whatever. That's always on. But our brains have this ability of filtering out the noise. You know, when you're stood on a busy, in a busy place, but you can still hear that one person talking to you. Our brains are, are wonderful things at interpreting all that sound and picking out the bits we need to hear. The reason I know I have selective hearing and that I have this ability to tune in and tune out is what probably more so before we had kids, what used to happen is this. I would sit at home and I'd be playing a computer game. And I, I'm terrible at losing all sense of time when I'm playing a computer game. No idea how long I've been playing for. For me, it's like half an hour. Diane probably... I've probably been playing for three hours and haven't realized. And what would happen is this. Diane would walk in next to me and she'd go, there's your cup of tea. And she'd put the cup of tea down and I'd think, oh, right, hang on a minute. So maybe pause the game and say, oh, thanks for making me a cup of tea. That's really nice, kind of you, very thoughtful. And she'd go, well, I asked you five minutes ago and you said yes. And I had zero memory of that whatsoever. I just, I was playing the game. I was not concentrating at all. I was going, yeah. So you, she could have asked me anything. Could we buy a new house? Yeah. Do you want a cup of tea? Yeah. 
Um, I'm going to go and spend all our savings here. And I would be oblivious because I was in the zone. I was playing my game. I didn't know what was going on. But do you know what? I think we should have selective hearing. Slightly, possibly sexist comment alert. I think men are probably quite good at this on the whole, at having selective hearing. In fact, I would go as so far as to say that I consider it one of my strong points. I'm proud of the fact that I have selective hearing. You see, I also have a great ability to probably not be very good at interpreting tone of voice. So what that means is that when someone's tone is a little off, Diane might need to give me a nudge and go, that probably wasn't quite how it was said. Because for me, I'm usually a bit oblivious to it. If someone says something, I take it at face value, and I just hear the words and accept the words and don't always pick up on the tone. So I can be quite selective in my hearing and probably quite selective in my interpretation of when people are telling me things. So, so a word of wisdom or a word of warning maybe for all of you. If I've ever offended you and you think you've made it really clear that you're annoyed with me, I am probably oblivious. I probably never even knew that I'd upset you. So in that circumstance, tone of voice probably doesn't work on me. Coming and saying, James, you know, I'm, I'm quite annoyed with you is a better way to approach it. Um, so I definitely am guilty of having selective hearing. But I've also consciously trained my mind, trained my thoughts to do other things, to be selective about gossip, to choose not to hear it, to be selective about when people are speaking negatively, to be selective about what I choose to engage with. In fact, a couple of people have come to me at some point and said, can I tell you something? And I've said, do I really need to know it? And they've gone, well, maybe not. And I go, don't bother telling me then. It's one less thing that I have to worry about. If, you, if I don't need to know, that's great. Don't tell me. I'm not offended that I don't know. It's just that's one thing I don't have to worry that I know and I might say it to the wrong person. I don't want to have to do that. But that's a conscious thing that I've considered and a conscious action that I've taken. Do we accept blindly or do we consciously consider the things that we hear? I want to encourage you, don't make rash decisions. Don't jump to the wrong conclusions. Don't take your bat and ball home or take offense. Don't say something now that you're going to regret later. Consider what you hear. Carefully consider your response before you respond. On the very rare occasions that I post a message on Facebook, I will very often check what I have written with Diane. Because most of the time, I'm not really into taking pictures of my food and sharing that. I don't naturally think to take a picture of my kids when we're out on a day out and post that on Facebook. That's Diane's thing. She does that. I'm okay with that. I just like to enjoy the moment. That's a whole other conversation. Um, generally, when I'm about to post on Facebook, it's when I've read something that's annoyed me and I've got a sarcastic response for it. And I think it's really funny. And I type it out and I go, and she goes, and I go, sure. And usually, rather than pressing the send button, I press the delete button and I don't post the message, which is why you've probably never seen those messages. Before, um, before Facebook existed, I probably made a few jokes to the face of somebody that I thought would take it quite kindly, and it was probably not very tactful, probably not very funny, and probably quite offensive. And I try not to do that anymore. Um, so yeah, 
Do we consider our responses before we make them? God wants you to exercise your brains, to carefully consider what you hear, to take a breath, to pause, and to think. So as we draw this message to a close, I want to leave you with a few questions, things for you to consider. Are you with me? How much of this message will you genuinely consider? Let's be honest for a minute. In the last half an hour, how much of the words that have come out of my mouth have actually gone in? How much have you absorbed? Did you take notes? Are you likely to go home and re-listen to it? And for those of you that are listening to this on the podcast, did you pay attention or were you doing the dishes while you've been listening to this? Which again, I know I'm probably guilty of and have missed half the sermon because the tap was running and I couldn't hear it. Consider this. If we hear those words but we don't consider them, then it has no impact upon our lives. But if the words spoken we consider, we process, and we take action, then the words that God brings through messages on a Sunday, through when we read the Bible, from when we listen to worship songs, whatever, however God speaks to us, if we don't consider what we're hearing, does it actually have a change? Will it actually make a change in our lives? So I want to encourage you in this new year, take time to consider, to be considerate, to consider what you hear and to consider what you allow yourself to listen to. I would like you all to pause and think. Thank you.